here, it is called Cowboys, Culture, and Christianity. Cowboys, Culture, and Christianity. We've looked at the, what the culture says about certain topics, and then we've compared them with, to what the Bible says about these topics. And we've covered topics like homosexuality. We've covered topics like uh, the tongue, you know, how we're supposed to use our tongue. We've covered topics like working on the Sabbath day. Um, we've covered uh, all kinds of other stuff. A couple weeks ago, we started a, a series underneath that series called Cowboys Dating and Christianity. And for the past few weeks, we've been covering how, the, as Christians, cowboys, or just anybody anywhere, how we can apply the biblical principles of dating to our lives so that we can honor God, right? And so that's kind of been our goal for the last few weeks. And, and just because you're a teenager, or just because you're not a teenager, doesn't mean that this message doesn't apply to you. And I want to reiterate this because I know some of you guys are like, man, I should have came today. They're talking about dating, and I'm married. You know, I shouldn't have came today. Listen, some of you guys are parents. Not all of you. Some of you are parents. Um, and can I just let a, a secret out of the bag, because they already did. Jason and Alyssa Hillman are parents. Right. I hope it's okay to let that out of the bag. But he did that. They actually did that in our leadership team meeting, so I hope that was okay. Amen? Good. They are parents. It's a miracle of God. I'll let, you, I'll let them tell the story later on. Miracle of God, but they are parents. And so we praise God for that. Amen? We praise God. So, this message is for Jason and Alyssa. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. It's for all of us. If you're a parent, this message applies to you. Because you have a teenager, uh, you, know, maybe a, you know, maybe a single adult that's still in your family, maybe they're 28 like I was when I was single, still, this message applies to you. So if you're a parent, you need to be taking notes. This message also applies to those of you that maybe are already married, but your marriage was built on things that aren't going to last. Things of the culture, the things that, that a culture said you should build a relationship on, and not the biblical principles of God. So some of you maybe need to take a, a step back, even though you're married, and say, okay, let's start over, and let's do this God's way. And so don't think that just because we're talking about dating that this doesn't apply to you, because it applies to all of us. And here's the truth. Listen, the church has not spoken on these topics, therefore the world is going down the tubes. And so you may think, why are we talking about sex? Marriage and dating in church. We are talking about it for the sake of the next generation. Because for a long time, we have failed as the church to share the truth of God's word because we're scared that we're going to turn our teenagers the wrong way. They're already headed the wrong way. And we've got to step in and share with them the biblical truths about dating, sex, and marriage. And so at Thousand Hills Ranch Church, we will teach what the Bible teaches. And we will teach it unapologetically to, to, in an effort to save future generations from failing in their relationships. And so it's for the next generation. Um, part one, we, we, we laid the foundation. Remember that? Part one, we laid the foundation. Uh, God created relationships, therefore we got to go to Him when it's time to seek out what relationships are about, right? He created them. He's the authority. We go to Him. Number two was our value is ultimately found in God. Because we are made in his image, not in our earthly relationships. Some of you are, are single. You're looking for that person on this world to, to fulfill you. And can I just let you in on a little secret? I'm going to burst your bubble. 
They're not out there. They're not out there. Are there people like my wife that fulfills me to the fullest extent that she can? Absolutely. But only God can truly fulfill you. And when you get there and you go, is this all it is? Is this all that's there? That's when God needs to show up. And that's where you have to have a relationship with God already so that you can rely on Him. I am not going to fulfill my life fully, but God can. It just doesn't happen. Um, and, and the last thing was, when we built the foundation, we have to choose. We have to choose. Are we going to serve the culture? Are we going to do what the movies say and the TV says and all our friends say? Are we going to do what the Word of God says? Because ultimately, this is our authority. Not the preacher. Not your parents, necessarily. But the Word of God, right? And so we have to choose who we're going to serve. That was part one. Part two, we looked at a key verse, Hebrews 13, 4, to be on the screen. Marriage should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure. For God will judge the adulterer and all sexually immoral. You know what this verse is saying? That marriage should be honored by all. And you know when that happens? It happens before marriage. What we do in dating, what we learn from uh, books that we read, what we uh, are taught on TV, all that stuff affects our marriage. And so again, marriage should be honored by all before you get married. Our success in marriage is greatly determined by what we take in and what we do in dating, not just marriage, right? Does that make sense? The goal, again, last week was to bring back the belief that marriage is a blessing. It's a sacred gift and needs to be honored by all. Some of you guys, again, you got this bad taste of marriage because you uh, went through a divorce, and I am so sorry that you had to go through that. But listen, just because you had a bad experience doesn't mean that God doesn't have a future for you. doesn't mean that he can't heal your heart and give you a godly relationship so that it can last for eternity. Right? Marriage is a sacred gift, and it needs to be honored by all. And so that was uh, the first part of part, uh, of part two. Um, and then we moved into sharing our story. And Heather and I shared our story. Did I just say fart? Some of you guys didn't catch that. I, I, I said fart instead of part. My bad. I looked at the teenagers, teenagers over there, and they were laughing, and so I knew that they heard it. And I can't let stuff like that go. I've got to point that out. So. But last week, Heather shared uh, our story. We, we, we shared our story about how we were married and how we dated. And we're going to share more of that today, and I hope that you're, you're looking forward to that. But we looked at two different methods, remember? We defined the word method. Uh, method is a systematic plan for accomplishing something. It's, it's the way that we learn something, Right? And we looked at two general methods of dating. Remember those? Friendship dating and romantic dating. Remember? Friendship dating, it has, it's driven by a desire to develop a foundation of friendship. Right? Instead of going to JB's and eating a steak, you go to McDonald's and eat with your fingers. Because it's all about developing a relationship or a friendship rather than romantic intimacy. Right? And so that's the friendship thing, and it's driven by wanting to get to know the other person. And the romantic intimacy is put on hold for a little while. 
And you say, oh, are you talking about sex? No, I'm not even talking about sex. I'm talking about kissing, making out, hugging, holding hands, sitting on laps, laying down together. All that stuff is put on hold till later in God's timing. And also, in friendship dating, you guard your heart. You don't, you don't just throw up all over the guy and say, I love you. You know, I want you. You know, I mean, it's, you guard your heart. Guys, guard your heart as well. And so that's kind of what friendship dating looks like. Romantic dating is the opposite. Romantic dating is driven by the physical intimacy. The truth about your relationship is based on the physical. If the physical is good, then the relationship is good. And we looked at that, and we looked at, you know, how that can possibly, and at most times, lead to destruction. And you say, what does that look like? The first or second day, guess what you do? And guess what I did back in the day? I made out. We went on a first or second day, we made out. And guess what? Once we made out, guess what the relationship is built on? The physical. That's what it's talking about. The relation, or the romantic dating. And you share your heart too quickly in romantic dating. It's all about sharing your heart. I've got to tell this person I love them before we even get through with this date. I'm just telling you. This method leads to a lot of pain from experience. A lot of shame from experience. A lot of rocky uh, stuff. And so, again, you have two methods. God can take, listen, and you say, well, what's friendship dating? That sounds kind of crude. It sounds kind of boring. Listen, friendship dating can build such a great foundation so that when you get to the part of romantic intimacy and in marriage, it can be the best romantic intimacy that you've ever had in marriage. Right? Does that make sense? Okay, listen. <laughs> Was that Dukes of Hazard? <laughs> Golly, that was awesome. Okay, the next time I make a good point, please play that again. Somebody call him as soon as I say something good. Okay? But here's the deal. God can, again, take a friendship to the next level in his time. But it, it should be taken slowly. And in God's timing. And after a friendship has been built. And after that's the foundation. And so listen. I don't know what kind of dating you do. Those are two general methods that we can all fall into. Whether you've been on a blind date and that's how you met. Whether you met on eHarmony. I don't know. If you did that, that's great. God is not limited by how you guys can meet. Uh, some people think that's stupidity. And, 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 and I kind of agree to a certain extent. But I've seen some legit relationships come out of that. So I can't argue with that. And God's not limited by that. So don't, don't down any harmony. Um, but I don't want to get on that. Can I get a... Okay, um, And then we move from methods, and we're going to move to what we're going to talk about today, okay? Principles. And you say, what are principles? Principles are fundamental truths that serve as the foundation for the method. Principles don't change. No matter the method that you choose to use, no matter if you dated at 15 or you dated when you were 28 and you never kissed until you were married, listen, no matter the method, these principles don't change. And they are vital for success. It's just like ranching. Remember I used the example of ranching. I've been to a lot of ranches. There's a lot of different methods to work cattle, but they all lead to a healthy calf. And the healthy calf is the principle behind all the methods. Um, and, and so, okay, today, Heather and I are going to share 
some principles with you so that we can honor God in our marriage and keep the marriage bed pure. Can I ask my beautiful wife to come sit on our beautiful stool? There you go. Is it on? Yes. Okay, good. All right, before we get started, can I just, tell, can I just challenge some of the, the guys in the men in the room? Listen, how many of you guys got uh, note sheets when you, when you walk through the door? Everybody, everybody got a note sheet, right? Okay, if, if you're a father and if you're a, a, a man or a boy, you better have your note sheet out. If your wife is the only one that has the note sheet out, wives, hand the note sheet to your husband, hand it to your boyfriend, and say, you need to take notes because you're supposed to be leading this relationship. And you can say, both said so. Right? And so hand your notes over if your husband or your boyfriend are sitting right there. Hand your note and your pen to your husband or your boyfriend and say, here you go. Here you go. All right? Now, I know you're looking at me like, I'm not going to do it no matter what you say. That's fine. <laughs> okay. We're going to talk about principles today. Okay? You ready for this? These aren't just self-help principles. You're not going to find these next to the book that Oprah wrote. You will find these in the Bible. These are called biblical principles, and that's what we're going to talk about today. And let me preface this by saying this. If you're here today and you didn't do anything right in your dating relationships, or you're in a dating relationship now, and you're not doing it right, listen, we're not here to judge you. We're not here to say, we got it right. We're doing it right. We're perfect. We're not here to say anything like that. But I would not be doing you a favor if I candy-coated the truth of God's Word and didn't share with you the truth. And so that's what I'm going to do today. I'm going to share it in a, in a level, with a level of grace and a level of, of mercy and hope to help you grow in your relationship with God and grow in your relationship with your boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, and wife. Okay, principle number one. Are you ready? Are you writing this down? Principle number one. If we're going, listen to this, if we're going to bring back honor and purity back into dating and into marriage, we must follow this principle. You ready? Number one, we must date someone who is a growing believer. Can I get it? <laughs> I mean, I can slide a hood just like Bo. <laughs> okay? But here's the, here, let me say it again. We must date someone who is a growing believer. Let me, let me, let me say it. Yeah. Okay. Look at the scripture. 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Listen to the scripture. And again, this is all biblical. It says this. Do not be yoked together. Remember what a yoke is? It goes on two ox or, you know, cows and they yoke and they work together to plow together. Do not be yoked together with an unbeliever. For what do righteousness and wickedness have in common? Or what fellowship can light and dark have with darkness? What harmony is there between Christ and Belial? That's another God in the scriptures. Another lowercase g, God. What does a believer have in common with an unbeliever? What agreement is there between the temple of God and idols? 
For we are, te- we are the temple of the living God. As God has said, I will live with them and walk with them, and I will be their God, and they will be my people. You know what that verse is saying? It's saying very clearly that when we date as Christians, people that believe in God, we are to not date an unbeliever. This is the first principle that you can say, you know, and we're going to get to this in just a second. You say, well, what is a believer? Well, it's not a poser. It's not just somebody that comes to church and plays the game. It's someone that's the real McCoy, right? Someone that, that, has, an, has, that has had an encounter, a personal encounter with the living God. A person that can tell you about where they gave their heart to Christ. And I'm not talking about... You know, a date. You don't have to have a date, but at least somewhere, at some point in your life, you ought to be able to say, that was the moment I gave my life to Christ. you got to have that personal encounter. And maybe it was gradual, maybe it happened over time, maybe it happened yesterday. But at some point in your life, you ought to be able to say, you know what? When I went through that, that's when I truly believed in God and I gave my heart to Christ. And He forgave me my sins. The person you date needs to be able to have a story like that. If they don't, we'll get to that later. The second part of uh, being a believer, they also need to show it. <laughs> Does that make sense? I mean, they also need to show it. If they say, you know, I gave my heart to Christ when I was nine years old, and, and, and they're still not living for the Lord at 28 or 30 or whatever it is, they need to show it. It needs to be a part of their lives, not just words, but, but it needs to be who they are. And let me just give you an example from my, my beautiful wife over here. Is she pretty? The reason I fell in love with my wife wasn't just, let me just say just, because she's beautiful. It was because she loved God more than she loved me. What was that? Likewise. (laughs) Likewise. The reason I fell in love with my wife is because she went to church without having to be asked. She went to she she read her Bible without having to be asked. She volunteered to serve in the college ministry without having to be asked. She even interviewed to be my youth intern when I was a youth intern or youth leader. She interviewed to be or she interviewed to be my youth intern, and I didn't choose her because I wanted to date her. <laughs> you can't date the intern, right? Or maybe you can, but that's just wrong. Okay. So she desired and she loved Jesus before I ever met her. I didn't have to talk her into it. I didn't have to drag her to church. I didn't have to tell her, you know, you need to read your Bible. She read it on her own. It's a sign of a growing true believer. It's what you need to look for when you're looking at at, at dating someone. And so first and foremost, in our relationships, if they're going to be pure and honorable to God, the person we yoke ourselves together with, they have to be a growing believer. A growing believer. Otherwise, our relationship is built on sin because we're not yoked with a believer. And you say, is that, is, that, is that a sin to do that? Absolutely. His commandments apply to us all. And you say, well, you know, God's a, a, a merciful God. You will be judged for your sin, just like I'll be judged for my sin. And so you've got to yoke yourself with a believer, not an unbeliever. Here's a vital tip. Don't ever date anybody that you wouldn't marry. I see it all the time. I, I work with teenagers for 15 years. 
And I saw it all the time. They would begin to date this person that they know they shouldn't marry, this gigolo of the high school, you know, that had dated more girls and, and was a player in all of high school, and they dated him, and they said, we're just going to hang out. I'm not going to marry him. We're just hanging out. We're just having fun. You know what the devil loves to do in that situation? He loves to cause the Christian in their relationship to compromise and leads them to destruction. Can I get another? <laughs> and you say, that's not true. Yes, it is. It, it just is. I, I don't know how else to say it. Um, and, and you might say, well, I'm dating a guy or, and a girl, or a girl that's not a believer. What do I do? I'm in a relationship. I'm dating. Don't get me wrong. I'm not talking about marriage. I'm talking about dating. What do I do? I'm in a relationship. They're an unbeliever. I know that they don't love Jesus. What do I do? Can I give you two words? Get out. Get out of the relationship. And I'm not talking about marriage. Do not say that. I'm talking about a dating relationship. If you're in a relationship with someone that doesn't love Jesus, get out. It's the best advice that I can give you because I can save you from a hellhole of a family, a hellhole of a marriage that doesn't glorify God. And I'm here to proclaim it that it will lead to destruction if you don't obey God. And you say, well, God, you know, you, you might say, well, God worked it out for us. I married an unbeliever. Can I just tell you the truth? It wasn't God's will for you to use that method. He might have shown his mercy on you. That person might have come around. But 99.9% of the time, it doesn't happen. It doesn't happen. And you say, well, I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to missionary date them. <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to lead them to the Lord. God's going to use me. I'm going to date this person, and they're going to come to Christ because I'm dating them. 99.9% of the time, it doesn't happen. They lead you down. You begin to compromise, and the, the, the relationship dissolves after a few years. And parents, can I, just, can I just encourage you and challenge you? Listen, if you're encouraging your child to date somebody that's an unbelieving jerk, or someone that's just popular, and you want them to be popular, you're sinning as well. The Bible says to train your child up in the ways of the Lord. And if you're encouraging them to date this boy or date this girl just because that boy is popular, but he doesn't believe in Jesus, he doesn't know Jesus, he's not worshiping God, he doesn't love God, listen, you are sinning as well. And can I just, can I just let you know on a little secret? And teenagers, they won't, they won't say this, but they want it. They want you to step in. They want you to say, okay, son, listen, she's probably not the best. She's probably not God's best for your life because she's not walking with Jesus. She may walk with Jesus later on, but for right now, you're not going to date her. They want it. I'm telling you, when I talk to kids that have dated in wrong, in wrong relationships, and it's led to sex outside of marriage. It's led to unwanted pregnancy. When I talk to them, you know what they say? I wish my parents would have stepped in. I wish they would have warned me. I wish they would have told me about the truth of God's word so that I wouldn't have made these mistakes. That's what they tell me. Every time they tell me, 
I wished I would have not gone here, and I wish my parents would have had the guts enough to be a Christian parent and show me what the truths of God's word are. That's what they said. Um, and, and, and can I just give you two reasons why we settle? Here's the first reason. We, we, the person that we're dating claims to believe in God. And, and, and I want to differentiate that. There's a difference between believing in God, that there is a God, and knowing Jesus Christ personally. James 2.19, look at it, one verse. You believe that there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that and shudder. You foolish man, do you want evidence that faith without deeds is useless? Even the demons, even the devil believes that there's a God, but they're not saved. They don't serve Jesus. They don't love him with all their heart. And so if you're dating someone that says, I believe in God, Whippy freaking dude. It's not enough in dating. It's not. Conway Twitty said it best. Remember Conway? Don't call him a cowboy until you see him ride. That sets in hat and those fancy boots don't tell you what's inside. If he ain't good in the saddle, then don't, you won't be satisfied. Don't call him a cowboy until you see him ride. You know what God says? Don't call him a Christian until you see him thrive. Until you see him worship God. Until you see him love Jesus. Don't call him a Christian until you see him give their life and live out their life for him. You say, well, what does that look like? Do they read their Bible? Do they serve in the church? Are they involved in a Bible study? Or are they living in a habitual sin and claiming that it's all good and God doesn't care? Do they not have any conviction of their sin? Do they not desire to obey God? And so you've got you to know the truth there. Another reason why guys and girls, I, I think that uh, they think that it's okay to date a person is because they come to church when they start dating. <laughs> I mean, let me explain that. You know, if, if you're, let's say you're wanting to go out this boy or this girl, and they start coming to church just because you guys start dating, that's not good. Here's what tends to happen. 99.9% of the time, when, once they catch you, and once you marry them, guess what happens? They don't ever go to church again. You know why they went to church? Because of you, not because they love Jesus. That's another reason why people settle. Don't date anyone until you know and see that they love Jesus Christ on their own. And, and, and can I just let you know a little truth? God may use, listen to this, God may use you not settling to bring them to Jesus. When you don't settle, they might go, dang, that girl is legit. That girl loves Jesus. And I need to step up and I need to give my life to Jesus so that I can be a, a godly man for her. And so you're not settling can lead them closer to Jesus. Don't feel bad about saying, I can't date you because I want you to love Jesus. That's not judgmental. That's not being a jerk. That's just sharing the truth and saving you from a multitude of sins and a life of hell. And that's the truth. Go ahead. Real quick before we move into the next um, little little bit. If you're not a parent and if you um, are not married yet but you're a growing and mature believer and you feel like I don't really have anyone to impart this wisdom on and I already know all this, 
Find someone who doesn't have a parent that's imparting this wisdom on them and mentor them. Um, some of the great truths that I receive, because sometimes teenagers don't listen to their parents. And if I listen to that cool college girl, and she walks with Jesus, and she can let them know um, some of these truths. And so if you feel like you don't have anyone or you don't have kids to, to pass this on to, find someone to take under your wing and mentor them. Um, I know I have, I have had several godly ladies that stepped in alongside my mom and helped in that role. And so then I'm so eternally appreciative of them. So if you feel like you don't have anyone to pass an info on to, find someone. And we're going to move on to, to the next part of if you're married to an unbeliever, and um, what do you do? And as Bo said, for dating, it's get out. But if you're married, that's not the answer. Um, so it can be found in 1 Peter 3, 1 through 2. It says, wives, in the same way, be submissive to your husbands, so that if any of them do not believe the word, they may, they may be won over without words, without words, by the behavior of their wives when they see the purity and reverence of your lives. And this is speaking to wives, but it can be applied to um, maybe your man here and your wife is an unbeliever. Can it, the same principles can be applied to you. Um, it, and it said that the part that strikes us women probably, and it kind of hurts a little bit, is the without words part. Because we, we tend to struggle with nagging maybe a little bit. I don't know if anyone else struggles with that besides myself. But you think the more you mention it and the more you harp on them, then the quicker that's going to change. And that's not true. Proverbs compares that type of woman to a dripping faucet or the constant pouring of rain. And what did men tend to probably do when they hear that? They want to tune it out, be it with the TV and music, whatever, just walking outside and getting away from you and going outside to work, they want to tune that out. So that's not going to work to nag them to death. Um, but it does say that they can be won over with your life. So if you're living for Christ and they see what you have, Lord willing, they're going to start wanting what they see and what they see that joy in you. They're going to start wanting that for themselves. And so win them over with your actions. Um, and again, just on the single girls, just because he's a great guy doesn't mean he's a great godly guy. And, and we keep saying this a lot, and I think that it's because you find a lot of girls who love Jesus. I mean, that's just the truth, and, I, and I'm not trying to downgrade men, but you don't come across a lot of guys who truly love Jesus quite as easily. And so we're saying um, hang, hang in there and, and hold tight and wait for the perfect guy that God has for you, not the perfect guy in the way that he acts, and his, but the perfect guy that God has for you. Um, so wait until you get that get that one. Um, the second principle, if you want to write this down, that we're going to follow is that we must follow God's order and design for relationships. Um, and you might you know ask what that is. Well, he's obviously the expert, and so we want to follow his design. And it is for the man to lead. And I know Bo's already kind of touched on that a little bit, but I just want to give a personal example of what that looks like in our dating relationship. Bo led. And for me, this caught me really off guard because I had dated great guys, great guys that were just, I mean, they were respectful. They uh, did what their parents told them to do. They made good grades in school. They were great guys. They were um, athletic. I mean, just a good guy, but didn't love Jesus and didn't lead me into um, a closer walk with Jesus. And ultimately, your dating relationship, the person that you're dating is iron sharpens iron, so one man sharpens another. He should um, sharpen you to desire to walk closer with the Lord. 
Um, he led, just some examples of how this can, what this can look like is he led by initiating. And um, we're going to talk about that in a second. But um, the guy should initiate things. He should initiate the dates. You shouldn't be asking him not. He should initiate the dates. And um, he should initiate, he initiated the phone calls. He initiated communication. And this was so new to me because I came um, probably from a background where there wasn't a lot of open communication. I mean, we had a great family, but we just weren't probably real, we didn't communicate a whole lot. And so when he started communicating how he felt like me, and at times um, it was hard to hear because we were on different pages. But I appreciated it because I knew from day one where his heart was. And so I didn't have to guess, does he like me? Is he, you know, whatever. I mean, he communicated that, and he communicated a purpose for our relationship. Um, so you teenagers, I don't know if this term still applies, but have a DTR, defining the relationship talk, and that's where he, he initiates sitting down with you and defines his purpose for the relationship. And if he doesn't do that, don't go any further with him emotionally. Um, he initiated the physical touch. I wasn't hanging all over him. He initiated that. He initiated setting boundaries. Um, and he, again, initiated the spiritual growth. Right. And you say, well, how, how did I know how to do that? How did I know how to uh, initiate those things? How did I know how to lead it? Just get this. My parents taught me. I don't mean to be harping on you parents. I'm a parent, and I'm going through the same thing that you are. If my kids are going to love Jesus and do relationships right, guess what? They're not going to get it through osmosis. They're not going to get it because they come to church. They're going to get it because I share it with them. And my wife shared it with them. You say, well, how, do I, how did I know how to leave? I had mentors. I had a father and mother and some pseudo-parents. Then again, I would go to you like Heather. I was taught in the church. I read the Word of God, and I learned that. And again, the Bible's clear that a guy is to pursue and lead the girl. I know that's not popular in our culture. I know that girls are all about liberty and freedom and equality and all that, and I believe in all that. But listen, if we're going to do it God's way, we've got to follow His design, and that is for the guy to lead the relationship. Throughout Scripture, we see that the man is called to lead in relationships. Genesis chapter 2, verses 23 and 24, look at it. The man said, this is my bone. Adam, is, Adam and Eve have just been made in God's image. And the man said, this is my bone, of, or this is bone of my bones and flesh of my flesh. She, will, she shall be called woman, for she was taken out of man. For this reason, a man will what? Leave. He will leave his father and mother and be united with his wife, and the two will become one, one flesh. You know what this passage is showing us? You know what Adam showed us? That he was to leave. That he was to leave his father and his mother and go after his wife. He was to pursue her. He was to, he was, uh, he was to, uh, to protect her. To, 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 uh, he was the one to ask permission to date her. Ask permission to, to have her hand in marriage. This is the way that God designed dating and marriage to be. If you don't believe me, read Ephesians 5, read 1 Peter chapter 3, and you'll get it again, and we'll talk about that later. Also, can I just give you a little, maybe you never caught this. Genesis chapter 3, verse 9, Adam and Eve had just sinned. Remember that? They just ate the apple. The duke's husband standing by while his wife is committing a sin. She doesn't, she doesn't stop. He doesn't stop. They commit sin. Guess who God calls for in the garden once they sin. Who did he call out to? Adam. He said, well, what does that mean? Who is God implying 
that should have been in control in leadership of that relationship? Adam. And you say, well, Eve did it. Men, we want to say, Eve did it. It's all the girls' fault. Not one. Her dupe's husband was standing by while she was sinning. And he should have been the leader of the relationship and should have been there to say, no, we shouldn't eat of this fruit. And so you say, well, how does God show us that? And he shows that. You say, that's subtle, but it's true. And guys, listen, don't wait to marriage to start to lead. Don't wait. Guys, listen to this. Your relationship with the Lord ought to lead the girl that you're dating closer to God. You're the pace setter. You're the, you're, your consistency in your daily walk with God ought to lead him closer or lead her closer to God. That's what it ought to do. What's the role? Okay. So the women's role in dating or the girls' role in dating should be to allow the guy to initiate and you reciprocate on your terms. So the guy's the initiator, the girl's the reciprocator on her terms and if she feels led to be. Um, so we're going to define kind of what it looks like to reciprocate. And I'll start by saying what reciprocating is not. Um, reciprocating is not... Um, let's say creeping around on this guy. It's not to be a creeper, and it's not to make the first move emotionally or with your actions. You're setting yourself up to be taken advantage of and hurt if you do that. It's not, like I think Bo mentioned this last week, it's not going on Facebook and Facebooking how much you love this guy before he's even told you that he likes you or has asked you out on another date. Can I, can I just pipe in right there? For me, it's unattractive. When a girl throws herself all over me or, you know, well, not now, but, you know, back in the day. Back in the day when a girl just told me she loved me on the first date, guess what I did? I broke up with her. Because it's just not attractive. When you throw yourself all over a guy and you start Facebooking everything, I love them X's, O's. I love them, you know, smooch, smooch. I, I, just, I just want to date them. I'm in love forever. It's unattractive. Um, thank you. Yep. And it's not revolving your life around him. Just because he's initiated a relationship with you, your world doesn't stop and revolve around him at that point. And I see this happen a lot in teenagers. Is what happens is the girl is you know infatuated with this guy, and she drops all of her friends, all of her girlfriends, and 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 she you know ignores her family. And I just want you know a bit of advice. It's okay to be occasionally unavailable. If he calls and wants to do something, it's okay to occasionally be unavailable. Because like you said, I think men enjoy the the pursuit. They like to chase things, right? So if you're um, occasionally unavailable, that can sometimes um, attract him a little bit more. But again, and again, desperate isn't attractive. So what reciprocating is, it's allowing him to pursue you. We're saying the guy should initiate. You should allow him to initiate. You should allow him to pursue you. And have enough confidence and self-worth and self-respect in yourself to realize that you're worthy of being pursued. I think a lot of girls, um, when a guy shows interest in us, sometimes we don't feel like we're good enough. And so um, I think it's key to have that self-worth and knowing that your identity is in Christ, whether or not things work out with this guy, your identity is in Christ and he has the perfect guy out there for you. And this is important, I believe, for moms to instill in their daughters, um, to let them know, know their value, constantly praise them and let them know their value. We had a guy this weekend at this conference that we went to, and um, he kept telling his son that he was a genius, was about it. 
then he kept telling him, saying, you're a genius, you're a genius. So he, you know, he does something to his brother and gets in trouble and t calls him stupid or something. And the brother says, no, I'm a, I'm a genius. And um, it was comical. But, and the point was that his dad had always told him he was a genius. And so he just believed that. And so sometimes we have to realize um, who we are in Christ because he says so. We might not truly believe it, but God says that we're perfect and, and pleasing his sight. And so just know that know, um, your position in his eyes. Um, it's allowing him to initiate the first day, and then you reciprocate by saying yes or no. It's allowing him to share his feelings about you, and then you choose whether or not to share yours. And it's on your terms. Just because he um, feels led to share his feelings, if you're not there yet, don't share your feelings yet. It's okay. And, but also, and, and Bo kind of brought this out, it, it's not a good idea to lead him on. Don't make him think you want him to kiss you, you want him to um, share his heart with you, and then when he does, you're like, eh, I'm done. I mean, you need to have respect for him as well. Um, and most generally, you know, we, we say guard your heart because girls' hearts get broken a lot, a lot easier than guys. I mean, guys get broken hearts as well, but the girl, um, we were made more sensitive. We were made um, more emotional, more compassionate, and more vulnerable. So, um really, really just focus on your, um, your, the most important thing that you can do in a relationship, your number one role is to focus on your relationship with Christ and grow in Him. It's the most important thing that you can do, because this will give you discernment to even know if this is the right guy. Just because he's a godly guy and a great guy doesn't mean he's the one for you. Um, and so this will give you discernment to know whether or not it's His will for you to be in that relationship. And it will, again, continually remind you of where your true joy comes from, and it'll give you the strength to guard your heart. And this is the third principle, if you're taking notes, is to guard your heart. And Proverbs 4.23 says, Above all else, guard your heart, for it's the wellspring of life. And, and you might ask, why is this so important? Well, because your heart's extremely valuable. It's the most important organ that you have. And emotionally, it's the most important thing that you can, that you can guard. And, and the verse tells us, and if you just look at the Word of God, I mean, it instructs us in all this, but it says, above all else. So to me, when I read that and it says, above all else, I mean, that's a priority. He's telling me, you know, more importantly than anything that you can do is to guard your heart. So make it a priority. And, and it's, the second part says, guard your heart. And this tells me that it, it must be under attack if I need to guard it. So realize that it's under attack um, or else he wouldn't warn us to, to guard our heart. Satan and as we know, would love to destroy us, and he'd love for you to emotionally go too far with this guy, share your heart, get it broken into a million pieces, and never truly be able to recover from that. Um, and the last part says it's a wellspring of life, so it's the source of life, and you need to keep it healthy. Um, too often, I think we give our heart away in a relationship, and why God can redeem that and restore it, it's never truly 100% again. And so think... Um, when you're dating, even if you're a teenager, think long term and have enough respect for your spouse that you want to guard um, your heart so that you can fully give it to them. And Because I know when I was a teenager, I would, I would hope that my husband would be doing the same thing for me so that when we stood up on our wedding day, I knew that I was getting all of him and that some girlfriend from his past didn't still have 10% of his heart. So um, guard your heart. All right, the last principle is this. You ready? Write it down. And we're done. The last principle, and I say this, like Heather and I, we, we, dated, we dated for almost, I think, six or seven months before we kissed. And again, you say, well, what's the weird part of that? What, what were you thinking? Listen, here, I wanted her body. <laughs> I wanted her. And I knew as soon as we made out, 
that that physical would be kind of the driving force of that. So we waited until we developed that friendship, and we, and we waited because I knew, again, that I would want more. And so once you get to a point to where you're like, okay, God's blessing this relationship, we've built that friendship, maybe, you know, again, and maybe this is for older people and, and the older single people. Again, I was 20-something years old when we met. I had my own home. I had, uh, we had freedom. She was in college. All those things. And so here's what we did. Here's the fourth principle. You have to set boundaries. You have to set boundaries. And guys, you need to lead these boundaries. Listen. You need to voice and communicate these boundaries. You are the, you are the leader of the relationship. And you say, well, what were your boundaries? Here's, I'll just share with you Heather and I's boundaries. You ready for this? Heather and I made the boundaries that we would not kiss lying down. We wouldn't kiss lying down. You say, that's stupid. It's more fun lying down. Yes, it is. <laughs> but that's what leads to more immorality. You know what I'm saying? Or immorality, period. Right? And so we didn't kiss lying down. We wouldn't kiss in the car. Did you realize that you can still have sex in a car? <laughs> You said, oh, oh, no, that's not a big deal. No, we figured out that it was, it, it's not time to set boundaries when you're in the back seat of the car. Does that make sense? It's the, you got to set these boundaries before you get in the back seat. And you say, okay, we are not going to kiss in the car. We're not going to kiss lying down. Here's another one that we had. We limited our time alone. I had my own home when we started dating. We could have made out. We could have had sex every night. We could have done whatever we wanted to do and no one would have saw or known. But we set boundaries. Would she come over to my house? Probably, yes. But we had boundaries. If we were to watch a movie, we knew that we weren't going to make out lying down. It was known. You know why? Because I communicated that. For her purity. And for mine. And so we set boundaries. We also had verbal boundaries. Guess what? I didn't tell my wife now. We dated for almost a year and a half before we got married. Let's listen to this. I didn't tell her I, I loved her one time. The first time I ever told my wife that I loved her was the day that I asked her to marry me. You know why? Because I wanted to be able to tell her that she's the only girl that I've ever told that I love you. Instead of telling all the boys in junior high that you love them, instead of telling all the boys in high school that you love them, Save those three words for that boy that you're going to marry. That was verbally. We had boundaries verbally. I didn't tell her I loved her from day two. And here's some other verbal boundaries that we had. We didn't talk about sex. A lot of you teenagers, you sext, you know, or you talk about sex on, on your text, and, and you watch things on TV, and you watch movies that have sex in them, and you, and you go to the sitcoms, and you watch all these sitcoms that have sex in them. Listen, we guarded our hearts and set boundaries. When a sex scene would come on in a movie, guess what I did as the leader of our relationship? I fast-forwarded it. And you say, you're the prude. You're the goody two-shoes. No, I'm not. I was saving my eyes in my mind, from another naked woman being in my mind, and I saved the respect of my wife, my future wife. You've got to set boundaries. And they start in the beginning of the relationship. And so we had to set boundaries. You say, well, I can do it. 
I mean, I'm strong enough. I have Jesus living inside of me. It doesn't matter. <laughs> you say, I can do it. I mean, we can kiss laying down. We can spend all the time alone that we want because we know Jesus. Listen, the devil loves to kick the Christians in the curb. He loves to watch them compromise. He doesn't really bother the non-Christians because they're not affecting him. But when someone says, I'm going to wait until marriage, guess what he wants to do? He wants to beat them down. Oh, you think you can handle this? Watch this. I know where you're weak. All she's got to do is touch you right there, and then you get weak. <laughs> and you say, that's stupid. No, it's not. That's the devil. That's the truth. And so Matthew 26, 41, the spirit is willing, but what? The flesh is weak. So it doesn't matter if you're a Christian. You, you, you have to set boundaries. And you need accountability. I had people in my life, you know what they would say? How's your relationship with Heather? Is it pure? I had men in my life asking me that question. Are you touching her in places that you shouldn't? They would ask me that question. And here's the, here's the next thing, and I'm done. I have a lot of people, they ask me, how far is too far in a dating relationship? They say, we're not having sex. How far is too far? The Word of God answers that question. You ready for this? We're going right back to biblical. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 through 7. Listen to this. It is the Lord's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid sexual immorality. It's not just talking about sex, sexual immorality. That each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy, holy, and honorable. Not in passionate lust like the heathen, like the people that don't know Jesus, who don't know God. You know, and then that in this, no matter what, or no matter, in this matter, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him. The Lord will punish all such sins, as we, as we have already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. You say, well, how far is too far? Can I touch her there? Can I touch her there? Can I do this? Can I do that? Here's, here's the better question. Is what you're doing holy? Is what you're doing pure? It's not how far can I go before God says, no, 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 no. But is it is it holy and is it pure? Can I give you a rule that, that I give teenagers all the time? Imagine a box, right, right, right from here to here to here to here. Rectangle, box. The box is off limits. I can touch my I can touch my, my girlfriend right here. I can touch her maybe right here. It might be kind of weird, but I can I can grab her nose. <laughs> I can I can grab her ankle. <laughs> but anywhere from here to here is off limits. You say why? I mean, God gave me a sexual urge. Yeah, He did for marriage. Is it holy and is it pure? Those are some principles that don't. Change. They're truths whether you believe them, whether I believe them, they are biblical truths, and we should apply them in daily. I want to ask you to bow your head and close your eyes. You may be in a relationship and, and you're older. God has shown you that this person is the one for you. And, and you're being tempted and you just can't stand it. Can I give you some advice? Get married. 
if you know that the person is the person that God wants you to be with and you've planned the marriage for a year from now, guess what? The devil is going to try to kick you in the teeth and get you to sin sexually. And so maybe, and I'm not telling you to do this, you need to be led by God to do this, but maybe you need to get married now. You need to give me a call and say, Bo, guess what? We know that God's in our relationship. We know that we're old enough to be married. And we want to get married now so that we can enjoy what God has given us and not sin. And then later on, I'll do a ceremony and we'll, we'll let everybody else know. You say, well, I want a big wedding. I want all that. We can do that afterwards. And we can, we can have a great time. And so maybe you're burning with passion for this person. He's a godly guy. She's a godly girl. But you are so tempted to sin sexually. The Bible says it's better for you to get married than to burn with passionate lust. And so maybe that's you. For the rest of us, what are your principles? What are the things that are, that are truth in your life, that are true in your life no matter what the culture says? Are they biblical principles? Maybe you're here today and you're settling in your dating relationships for someone that is not God's best. Uh, they claim to know God, but you don't see it in their life. If you're a Christian, you need to get out. Here's our, 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 our heart behind all that we shared today. We want relationships to be brought back to the holiness and the purity that God desires. That's our desire. It's not to make you feel like a jerk. It's not to make you feel like you're the only sinner in the house. It's not. We've all sinned. We've all fallen short of the glory of God. I've sinned. Heather's sinned. We've all sinned. We've all done things that are wrong. And it's time to change that. And so today, maybe you need to commit to say, okay, God, I'm going to start living and dating by your principles. Not by the cultures, not by what my friends say, but by your biblical principles. How many of you, are, and nobody's looking around, how many of you guys are single, maybe you're a teenager, and, and you're, or you're an adult, either one. Maybe you're dating, maybe you're not. How many of you guys would commit today, I think it's important to make a commitment to God. Because he can hold you to that. How many of you guys would say, nobody's looking around, we're not going to call you to the front, but you're single, you're maybe dating somebody, and you want to say today, okay, God, I'm going to begin to live, and I'm going to commit to live by your principles. How many of you guys would say that by raising your hand to say that? Thank you all across the room. Anybody else? I'm going to commit today to live by God's principles in my dating relationship. Thank you. Anybody else? would say that by raising your hand, you know, here, I, I'm an adult, and I'm going to commit, because I'm single, to date God's way. Anybody else? Thank you. Listen, nobody's looking around, nobody's, nobody's got their eyes open. Those of you that raise your hands, great job. God is going to bless you. He's going to, to show you great things. And there is a bright future ahead for you. But listen, it's not going to be easy. 
And the devil saw your hand raised as well. And so you need to surround yourselves with church people, Christian people. We need to date, again, people that love Jesus so that you can fulfill that commitment. Next week, I'm going to close this in a word of prayer and just say, next week we're going to talk about a husband's role in marriage, woman's role, a wife's role in marriage. And so those of you that are married, you need to come. Those of you that want to get married, those of you that are single, you need to come. Because we're going to talk about those things. I'm going to close this in a word of prayer. If you have any decisions that you want to make, that you want to share with us, fill out an orange sheet. Go in the feed bucket and we'll call you. Well, we thank you so much for your word. We thank you that it uh, speaks to our hearts, it speaks to our minds, that it's true no matter if we believe it or not, it's still true. And so Lord, we give you the glory and we, and we give you the praise because you've shown us your design and your way of honoring you and honoring marriage and keeping the marriage bed pure. And so, Lord, help us. Help us as parents. Help us as grandparents. Help us as, as just Christians to live, to honor marriage, and to keep the marriage bed pure. And we give you all the glory. In the name of our prayer. Amen.